Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Conduct risk is a little bit amorphous. It's, it's the de- that difference between could we versus should we. The, the should we is the, the conduct risk question. The could we is does the regulation or the law allow us to do that? So that that's probably the um, the way that I try to distinguish that in my own head, because the law in most cases actually lag behind business practices. So when we're thinking about the conduct um, that we as an organization want to do as a, as a future looking activity, the law might be not, you know, might be behind in, in the rear view mirror and not be uh, giving us any guidance on that. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher, I'm an editor at the GRC Institute. And today we have with us a director at KPMG leading the conduct risk practice, Alex Ong. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. How are you? Good, thanks, Kwame. It's really great to be here. So we're going to be having a bit of a discussion about conduct risk. I do feel like at the GRC we haven't spoken about this quite enough. But to make up for that, yourself, KPMG have been running a series of workshops with some of our members, just having a conversation about what's happening in this space, getting a sense of what's happening in space, and I guess sharing some of your insights at KPMG about, you know, what you see conduct risk as. And that sort of leads very neatly into the very first question, which is, are there any particular useful definitions of conduct risk that organizations should consider? Uh, great question, Kwame. Uh, there is obviously the ASIC definition of conduct risk, which is the risk of inappropriate, unethical or unlawful behaviour that can be caused by deliberate or inadvertent uh, action or inadequacies in an entity. We at KPMG want to also overlay that with a more practical working definition for practitioners yeah, for, for today's purposes and, and for the purposes of the, the sessions that we've been running. We've been going with a definition of um, conduct risk as the risk that your conduct as an organization is perceived poorly by others. And we qualify that by, you know, who we mean by others is others whose opinion affects you as an organization. So we think that's a, it's a good working definition that gives practitioners something more tangible to, to grapple with. Um, and, and the reason why we've gone with something like that definition is that in, in a business setting, we are trying to derive something that's a little bit more practical for practitioners, which is sort of a little bit more hands-on than a concept of ethics or appropriateness, you know, in, which is interesting. So when people think about ethics, people normally think about what's right or wrong, which is ultimately what we call normative ethics. You know, what is the right thing to do? What should we as a as a, as a person or organisation do? The the difficulty with normative ethics is, you know, we've got <laughs> thousands of years of, of philosophers trying to understand it and get it right, but ultimately everyone uh, has a different opinion about what is actually right or wrong. So in order to move forward, what we as practitioners try to do and what we, you know, speak to others to to try to understand is what we term descriptive ethics, um, i.e. what do the majority of people think is right or wrong, which can be measured and can be agreed upon, right? uh, It doesn't mean that it's static, it changes with the times and circumstances, but there is at least a chance that we might all agree as to what most people think is right or wrong, as opposed to what is the absolute right or wrong in a particular case. 
Yes, absolutely. I guess for any compliance professional, that measurability bit is is quite important, so they can make they can get a sense of what's actually happening within the organization. So something we did have a chat about in a previous conversation is that you you gave a definition of terms, but there has been in the past maybe some confusion about how the term is used. And I think we we spoke last time about the interchangeable use of terms like conduct, risk, and compliance. Uh, how does this affect, I guess, this this question of measurability and how people view conduct risk in general? The interesting thing about that is that I <laughs> I work in a division within KPMG called Compliance and Conduct. It is uh, it is interesting that they are together because they are in fact two separate things. Compliance is about following rules. It's complying with rules, and rules are generally things that have been agreed upon and and more often than not documented. Conduct risk is a little bit more amorphous. It's, it's the, that difference between could we versus should we. The, the should we is the, the conduct risk question. The could we is does the regulation or the law allow us to do that? So that that's probably the, um, the way that I try to distinguish that in my own head because the law in most cases actually lag behind business practices. So when we're thinking about the conduct um, that we as an organization want to do as a, as, as a future looking activity, the law might be not, you know, might be behind in, in the rear view mirror and not be uh, giving us any guidance on that. Because the way that law generally uh, operates, and as a lawyer, this is sort of my observation, is that it observes uh, norms and then decides what to do about it. Whereas conduct risk goes beyond what that legal statement requires. And, and, and about, you know, you might be innovating in a new field and you might still have to make decisions that is not guided by the law. Does that mean that conduct risk doesn't apply? It, it doesn't mean that. It obviously still applies. It just means that there's probably not a solid you know, compliance obligation that you can look to to guide you potentially. Although obviously when people disregard the law or compliance requirements, that's probably generally a good indicator of poor conduct. Fair enough. And, and I feel like we're playing semantics, Alex, but the, the other question I have, there's something that I think you mentioned previously and maybe in a document as well, is this association with conduct and risk specifically in that predominant association with risk. But are there other ways that we can look at conduct? Yeah, so, so the risk is with the, um, the behaviour, I think is, is, is probably where you're alluding to there, Kwame. In terms of when people think about conduct, conduct equates to behavior and the risk that is associated with that. Other ways that you could think about that is what precedes the behavior or conduct that gives rise to that risk. And to us, that's decision making, right? Uh, it, it's rare in an organization that conduct happens involuntarily. Usually there's some sort of decision making, corporate decision making that precedes that. So looking at that lens, you can sort of consider conduct risk from another angle and not just looking at the behavior that has manifested. You can look at the uh, intangible decision making that goes on before that crystallization of the conduct risk. And similarly, you can then go to the other side of where that behavior has occurred and look at the, the consequence of that. And generally, as an organization, we, we think about the, repu- the effect to reputation, organizational reputation that uh, occurs as a result of someone's conduct and and um you know you you can then go beyond just that behavior and go before and after it 
And those are two other lenses that you could consider conduct risk from. Yeah, sure. And, you know, you've held a couple of these workshops now with the GRC members, and I was just curious about if there are any common trends or idea of recurring themes that you've seen come out of those discussions that we could speak about very generally. Anything surprising to you or anything that you expected to find? Yeah, so we've run um, the, the sessions in three cities now, uh, Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney, and the conversations have been very different in each case and, and different themes have floated up from each from each group. Uh, and there's been you know, a whole number of interesting things that's uh, that's that's popped up, but um, I'll pick two from each city that's uh, sort of caught my attention. So starting with Melbourne, which is sort of where we, we started, we had seen that uh, the topic of or the theme of incentives play a really strong role in driving conduct risk, whether you know positively or, or negatively, but um, certainly has a critical role to play in, in conduct risk. And the second theme that emerged out of the Melbourne sessions is this concept of interactivity between conduct risk and other things. So I mentioned previously that, you know, you look just at the behavior, you look at before and after the behavior as well. But the uh, the discussion in Melbourne also talked about the interactivity between that behavior with other things such as strategy, such as where the organization sits in terms of the marketplace, uh, and a whole lot of interactivity, which I guess is a little bit of a, a, an economics theoretical concept, which is like that no, no decision sits by itself. It, it always exists within a system of other decisions and, and it's a very complex interactive environment. Yeah. So that, that was a key theme. I think that was quite interesting, came out of Melbourne. Uh, in Brisbane, we, we talked around corporate decision making and the theme that emerge as an interesting point was the distinction between decisions that are made from by an organization and the outcomes and the need to sort of be clear as to whether a good out a good decision is the, the same thing when you're talking about your, your conduct or conduct risk and the answer is you know, not necessarily right so you can have good decisions based on the information you have at the time but bad outcomes and vice versa you can have bad decisions but you know get lucky and get good outcomes and and the second theme uh, that came out of brisbane which was around corporate decision making was the way that having silos in an organization or divisions or or areas and the way that affects corporate decision making yeah. the, the siloing effect has a driving effect towards conduct risk uh, in, in in a corporate which is uh, you know, when you think about it, that, that stands to reason, right? Because as a customer, you don't care, or as a regulator, you don't care about particular divisions or teams within an organization. You you care about the conduct of the organization. So yeah. that was an interesting thing that, that we discussed. Uh, moving on to Sydney, which was our, our most recent set of sessions, uh, so that the theme that we talked about, the overall topic was the interactivity between conduct risk and reputational risk. And one of the themes that floated up was the difficulty in measuring both conduct risk and reputational risk. You know that 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 um, distinction between qualitative versus quantitative measures, and the bias towards quantitative measures that you know uh, as executives and and boards try to make decisions, it's easier to rely on quantitative metrics and KPIs and so forth. 
KRIs, but recognizing that sometimes it's really hard to put a number on these things, right? And in particular, in, in the role that human biases play in valuing downside reputational and conduct risk, because as you know, as, as as humans, we tend to um, we tend to undervalue downside risk, right? So so that's a, a topic that we we thought was quite interesting. And then something that we discussed uh, quite a fair bit in the Sydney sessions that we didn't sort of discuss in the other sessions was the role of artificial intelligence in managing conduct risk and or whether the usage of artificial in- intelligence increases conduct risk. That That's one of the most interesting things that is a bit of a black box and literally a black box because in some cases we don't know how the AI makes its decisions, right? And we're using if we're using the AI to supplement or replace human or corporate decision making and we don't know how it's making the decisions how do you put controls around that you never know how it's making decisions so you, you see the decisions but how does it make it that's that's a that's a compounding issue yeah. on the other hand you could look at the the ways that ai could supplement some of the human frailties such as the inherent human biases and it may be able to help us value that downside reputational conduct risk a bit more objectively than a human being can, right? So, yeah, so those are some of the that's six themes, I guess, that um, I thought were very, very interesting that came out of the sessions with uh, the members and and the uh, session attendees. Oh, excellent. Thanks, Alex. Well, we've come down to the end, and I think, you know, bearing those trends and those pieces that we've discussed uh, in mind and bearing the, the, def- the useful definition we've established at the beginning, you know, what what I don't want to say advice really, but you know, what what words of wisdom or do you have for compliance professionals and organizations just trying to get this piece right? There's probably three things that I would um, sort of share with the with the listeners about yeah approaching approaching conduct risk. The first is that uh, despite all of the doom and gloom that I've just talked about in you know, difficulties about about managing conduct risk, there are in fact things and frameworks you can put into place to reduce the risk. So it, it is about, it's like the word risk in conduct risk is not there uh, because uh, we're trying to get rid of poor conduct, although obviously that's the goal, but rather as, as conduct professionals, we're trying to reduce the risk of it um, happening, right? So, so there are things in place you can put in place to reduce that risk of poor conduct happening. Uh, and the second thing is that recognizing that poor conduct will happen whether from an organizational or individual level. And then the important thing there is how you respond to that matters. What what you do when poor conduct happens is is critical. In fact, in some cases, uh, it can be the defining moment in, in terms of that conduct, right? Uh, and then the third thing is uh, that ability to understand the inherent biases that make it really hard for organizations to truly see the problem or to measure that that risk. Yeah, so that that's probably the three things that I would I would sort of um, share with with you today. All right, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Alex Ong, and for those listening, that was Director at KPMG leading the conduct risk practice there. Yep, and hopefully we have you on the podcast again because I mean, conduct risk is such a massive area. I'm sure we have a lot more to discuss. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Kwame. Thanks for your time. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.